0: Focus on
1: Headline.
0: All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters Che Ji-hee and Yoon se Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening. All right, so we're going to talk about the military committee meeting that was held yesterday. This was at the Pentagon, where South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff, Chairman Kim seung uh, and his U.S. counterpart Mark Milley They met for talks there. And there, uh, the U.S., again, reportedly reaffirming the uh, provision of extended deterrence. Uh, Ji, you're going to kick things off with this. Uh, Give us the details.
1: Sure. So according to South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff, the 47th Military Committee meeting, an annual meeting of military leaders, was held at the Pentagon. Uh, on the 19th, General Kim Seung-gyum and Chief Director of the JCS Directorate for Strategic Planning, Yong-soo, uh, represented the South Korean delegation. Meanwhile, this was Chairman Kim's first in-person meeting since he took office back in July. Uh, The military meeting was also attended by Indo-Pacific Command Chief John Aquilino and Commander Paul Camera of the South Korea-U.S. Combined Forces Command. And in the meeting, uh, the United States reaffirmed its commitment to the defense of South Korea, including the continued provision of U.S. extended deterrence. And also, the JCS uh, chiefs reaffirmed the strength of the South Korea-U.S. alliance and assessed the changed security situation of the Korean peninsula. And as expected, they also discussed the conditions-based transfer of the wartime operational control from Washington to Seoul, uh, including the successful execution of the future Combined Forces Command full operational capability assessment during the Ulji Freedom Shield exercise in August 2022. Uh, The two leaders also discussed the continued development of the combined defense posture. And of course, North Korea's continued military provocations, destabilizing the region, including its nuclear threats, and string of missile launches were discussed. Uh, During the discussions, also General Milley and General Kim recognized the alliance's shared sacrifices and enduring nature, and Milley reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to defending its ally. The two leaders also shared the importance of defense and security cooperation to secure peace and prosperity on the Korean Peninsula and the surrounding region and maintain a free and open Indo-Pacific, as well as continued efforts to achieve the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And also, uh, for your information, the MCM, uh, the military meeting is part of the South Korea US bilateral consultation pros- process, which convenes annually or as required. And the committee provides strategic directives and operational guidance to the Combined Forces Command in defense of. Uh, South Korea and addresses alliance military issues, and the two allies have hosted the meeting since it first convened in 1978.
0: And uh, of course, uh, with all that's going on right now here on the Korean Peninsula, it's uh, you know you're going to have a lot of discussions uh, from both sides. Uh, we're going to also start seeing uh, Japan getting involved with uh, discussions, as we mentioned so far. A lot of experts, analysts. Watchers are saying that after uh, China's major political event, which is going to, I believe, end on the 22nd, uh, highly likely that between 22nd and the U.S. midterm elections in uh, the beginning of November is when North Korea might be testing their seventh nuclear test. So how are they going to respond, I'm sure, is also some of the uh, the topic of discussion uh, when they do meet. Uh, in the meantime, South Korea's Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy saying on uh, Thursday that it held a phone talk with U.S. trade representatives on the previous day. Uh, both sides have decided to continue to share opinions on that Inflation Reduction Act Uh, In the future, Uh, it does sound really similar to what we've heard repeatedly, right? Over the past few months, but still uh, good news is that talks are going on, and every time there's talks and discussions happening, that's obviously good news. Uh, so yeah, give, give us the latest on the consultations on the, the IRA issues.
2: Sure. According to the Ministry of Trade, Industry, and Energy on Thursday, Trade Minister An dok keun held a phone talk with the U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai Wednesday night. And South Korean Trade Ministry explained that An and Tai agreed on the need to continue consultations between the two countries, and both sides pledged to seek various solutions through the Working level consulta- uh, consultative body that is currently in operation and South Korea and U.S. held working level talks on IRA issue three times so far on September 16th and the 14th and 18th of this month. Trade ministry added that the two countries will also continue high level consultations through multilateral meetings including the upcoming APEC trade ministers meeting that is set to be held next month. I can say that the IRA is currently the biggest economic issue between Seoul and Washington. And since the President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law in August, there has been a major backlash from South Korea and uh, from other countries outside North America as well. And the two sides have continued to consult, but uh, like you said earlier, uh, there has been no noticeable progress. And as we have mentioned a few times on the show, many experts say that for now, receiving a grace period will be the second best option. Well, of course, the best option would be uh, to to include South Korean automakers in the list of countries that are eligible for tax incentives, but that's going to be even more difficult to achieve. And in particular, um, considering that Hyundai Motor's electric vehicle plan to be built in Georgia uh, will be completed by 2025, to suspend the implementation of the discrimination clause until then will greatly help the domestic automakers survive in the U.S. market. And just like the previous meetings, Wednesday's phone talk also ended with the conclusion that additional meetings should continue in various ways in the future. But uh, what was different this time is South Korea made made a new suggestion by making it clear that while having consultations, it will focus on reflecting Seoul's position in the guidelines of the U.S. Treasury Department, which are expected to be announced later this year. And the U.S. Treasury Department previously requested comments on IRA provisions, and it is currently in the process of collecting opinions from stakeholders to be reflected in the establishment of IRA guidelines, and comments are due November 4th. And the Korean government is also in talks with the U.S. on a plan to include not only the EVs made in assembled uh, in North America, but also those made in other countries that signed free trade agreements with the U.S. on the list of countries eligible for tax benefits. Meanwhile, um, U.S. Ambassador to South Korea Philip Goldberg also made remarks on Thursday in regards to IRA issues, saying that he is well aware of the concerns of South Korea. Ambassador Goldberg made the remarks at the 34th Korea U.S. Business Conference held today in Yeoido, Seoul. And Goldberg, uh, Goldberg highlighted the importance of Seoul and Washington's business relationship, saying that the economic relationship between two countries Um, is as strong as their security commitment.
0: That's right. I mean, uh, you know, they can say that it's as strong as the security commitment, but we Mm -hmm. want to see that on paper. Uh, Again, even what, uh, you know, Phil Goldberg, uh, the U.S. Ambassador to South Korea Phil Goldberg's been saying is uh, basically similar to everything that the Washington officials are saying. But again, I mean, the the good news is uh, once the November elections are over, uh, Mm -hmm. we're hoping that we might get some positive uh, results out of it. They'll make, uh, you know, they have a second thought on how they're going to deal with this IRA issue, the exemption for South Korea. And just like you said, se mm-hmm. first would be, uh, number one would be, number grace one option period. would be an exemption, and then mm-hmm. number two would be a grace period. Uh, but that's also going to be followed up with uh, other countries basically saying, hey, what, what, what about us, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's going to be definitely a domino effect, but uh, I mean, I, I think Washington knew what they were, uh, you know, expecting once they did, you know, pass the IRA into law here. Uh, in the meantime, the EU started consultations with uh, major countries to adopt this year's un resolution. Resolutions on human rights abuses in North Korea, uh, South Korea is also known to be returning as a co-sponsor uh, despite losing its seat in the UN Human Rights Council uh, just last week. Uh, let's get into the details of South Korea uh, co-sponsoring of the draft resolution and then the reasons for losing its seat in the uh, Human Rights Committee identified by the foreign ministry. You have more on this, Chihee.
1: Right. So according to foreign ministry officials on the 20th, which is today, the European Union has prepared a draft resolution on human rights issues in North Korea to be presented at the UN General Assembly at the end of this year and has begun discussing the text of the document with major countries and this includes South Korea. Uh, This is in fact the first time in four years that South Korea will co-sponsor the UN's semi-annual resolution condemning North Korea's human rights abuses and so the international community welcomed this return Uh, And the draft resolution is first read and then passed on among major countries yearly. And the document's content is then discussed amongst them. And then uh, it goes through the third committee and is adopted by the General Assembly at the end of the year. Now, while South Korea had co-sponsored the resolution from 2008 to 2018, the previous administration had refrained from doing so uh, in concerns over the possible souring of inter-Korean relations. Well, human rights groups have sent former President Moon Jae-in a letter saying that not participating in this draft resolution's co-sponsoring may deliver a wrong message to the North that South Korea can tolerate the illegal acts of human rights abuses occurring within the country. And South Korean ambassador to the UN, Hwang Jun-guk, stated in an interview last month that South Korea had been very passive in the matter for the past few years and that this must be normalized. Uh, He had also hinted at the return of South Korea as a co-sponsor for the resolution condemning North Korea's human rights violations. The EU said on Wednesday that demonstrating international unity is critical in urging North Korea to respect and protect human rights, and that the EU welcomes co-sponsorship of the resolution by as many UN member states as possible, including South Korea. And also, Foreign Ministry spokesperson Im Suseok also announced the news, adding at a regular briefing today that uh, human rights must be respected as a universal value of humanity and that a consistent response to North Korea's human rights issues is needed.
0: Yeah, and, and the, the thing with this, all this, is uh, what's unfortunate is that uh, all of this is more symbolic than anything. I mean, uh, you know, there's on a yearly basis, there's a lot of resolution, there's a lot of uh, co-signing and mm-hmm. this and that, but there's little that can be done in North Korea. North Korea, of course, every year they say there's, there's no human rights abuses, all those uh, Con- the, the, what is it? The, uh, the prisons uh, that you're talking about there, it doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. All those uh, labor prisons. What is it? Uh, you know, all those years of harsh labors that some people are put in. It doesn't exist, according to North Korea. Uh, there's less people, you know, you're not allowed to go in there and check it out. So uh, it's, it's more symbolic than anything right now. And so now South Korea co-sponsoring this is symbolic. It does show Uh, what the tensions are like between the two Koreas at this time. But uh, let's also listen to what the Seoul's foreign ministry uh, had to say about South Korea losing its seat at the UN Human Rights Council.
1: Right. So it was reported last week that South Korea lost its seat on the UN Human Rights Council after remaining in fifth place among eight countries, contesting for four seats allocated to the Asia-Pacific region. So the four seats were given to Bangladesh, the Maldives, Vietnam, and Kyrgyzstan. Uh, while the ruling party is currently blaming the previous liberal Moon Jae-in administration's pro-North Korea policies for the loss, the foreign ministry had a different explanation. Uh, it said that the unexpected defeat was because it had been overstretched trying to win elections at other international organizations. So South Korea first joined the council as a founding member in 2006 and was re-elected in 2008, 2013, 2016, and 2020, and the new three-year term runs from the beginning of 2023 to 2025. Uh, And Seoul's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said that it had not been able to prioritize winning, winning a seat on the Human Rights Council this time around because it was focusing on similar elections in other international agencies. So last December, the ministry decided South Korea would aim for membership or leadership positions in 14 other international organizations this year, including the International Labour Organization and the ECOSOC. Uh, In the case of the 54-member committee, South Korea was re-elected for the sixth consecutive time for a three-year term in June. And South Korea is also vying for a non-permanent member of the Security Council in the 2024 to 2025 period. South Korea, in fact, served on the Security Council twice before, uh, in the 1996 to 1997 period and 2013 to 2014 term. According to a foreign ministry official, the most significant factor for the recent defeat in the re-election of the Human Rights Council uh, was that, like I said earlier, Seoul wasn't able to select and concentrate or really prioritize because its focus was on other elections. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so South Korea's diplomatic missions had to deal with so many elections at the same time, which is why bargaining power was weakened for the election in the. Human Rights Committee.
0: I I mean, you know, for I guess in in some ways it is kind of unfortunate to lose a seat in anything like this uh, Human Rights Council. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, uh, when you have, you know, when you lose a seat, other countries come in. And Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to human rights uh, issues and stuff like that, I think it's good to have, it's not, I mean, it's technically not a rotation, uh, but giving other countries a chance uh, to, of course, uh, vote on some of these issues Mm -hmm. as well. And South Korea already being part of a lot of other, uh, you Mm -hmm. you know, councils and things like that. Uh, and uh, because you can you can re-win uh, those seats once again, just like South Korea has done before, I'm sure South Korea will return uh, to holding those seats once again. Uh, but ahead of the UN resolution on uh, human, uh, North Korean human rights, North Korea accused the Western countries of applying double standards over human rights. This is not the first time that we've heard about mm-hmm. this. Hey, tell us more.
2: North Korean ambassador to the U.N. Kim Song, said at the third committee meeting of the 77th the U.N. General Assembly held at the U.N. headquarters in New York on Wednesday that Western countries, including the U.S. and the European Union, have double standards on human rights. Kim Song argued that raising human rights issues has nothing to do with human rights, but it's just a means to achieve their political goals. Citing the U.S., the U.K. and the European Union, he then slammed those countries, saying that trying to bring down a particular state due to different ideologies and system is a violation of human rights and an insult to the people of that particular country. Kim also argued that fair discussions are not taking place and added that deep-rooted human rights violations such as racism still continue in Western countries today which claim to be the human rights judge of the international community. Kim continued to carry on his strong argument, saying that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is making efforts to put human rights first and permit political and social rights, although there is no way to confirm or prove his argument. And the United Nations Third Committee, one of six main committees of UN General Assembly, deals with human rights, human, uh, humanitarian affairs and other related social issues. And like Chi, he mentioned earlier, um, the European Union is currently drafting drafting a resolution condemning North Korea's human rights abuses. And according to sources, South Korea will also be a co-sponsor for the first time since 2018. And experts say Ambassador Kim's accusation of Western countries referring to human rights seems to be an expression of dissatisfaction towards the EU for leading a UN resolution condemning Pyongyang's human rights. I,
0: you know, t- to be honest with you, uh-huh. like what North Korea is saying, like it, they're not, they're not uh-huh. half wrong, right? Uh-huh. I mean, the thing is, it's true. I mean, some of the things that they said was like, I mean, there's shooting going on oh, and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there's uh, issues of like police officers uh, shooting African Americans. And things like that, when you know they did nothing wrong, uh, mm-hmm. or you know we, we talked about the you know I mean George Floyd issues and stuff like that and racism. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the counter argument for that: yes, there is racism going on, there's shooting going on in the United States uh-huh. and things like that. But the not thing is, not
2: by the state. Well, yeah, right. it's not. Well, it's not
0: by the. Well, I mean, the police. Technically, uh-huh. I mean, if it's the police, technically it's mm-hmm. kind of government. But uh, the government, the, the the central government, is doing something about it, right? right. I mean, they're going. Listen you know even with the Asian hate even though I don't think you know there's much change despite all these laws mm-hmm. being put in place to stop Asian hate and stuff like that uh, you know the government trying to do something and uh, you know the, the police officers who uh, you know shot people and stuff mm-hmm. like that wrongfully shot people like they're going to prison and things right. like that things are being done uh, mm-hmm. unlike in North Korea I don't right. think anything is being done mm-hmm. there uh, I guess North Korea can at least say that there's no racism going on within North Korea I, mm-hmm. I guess they can say that and be proud about that uh, uh, in the meantime, South Korea and Japan, uh, they're continuing uh, quite a bit of fierce war of words with North Korea at the UN General Assembly. Uh, South Korean diplomats who have remained silent on condemning North Korea over the past few years, again, criticizing North Korea this year. We talked about uh, the change in stance, uh, even co-signing mm-hmm. uh, this resolution here. And they even mentioned Korean War. Uh, i kind of curious to find out what this is all about. Mm-hmm. se fill us in on this.
2: Earlier, South Korea and Japan strongly condemned North Korea's development of nuclear weapons and its recent series of blasting missile threats in a discussion held under the theme of nuclear weapons. And in response, at a meeting of the First Committee of the UN General Assembly, Kim Min-chur, secretary of the North Korean delegation to the UN, heavily criticized South Korea and Japan. And um, North Korean representative pointed out that the vicious circle of the tensions on the Korean Peninsula is caused by the U.S. and South Korea's cooperation countering North Korea, saying that South Korea's continued hostile policy toward the North is one of the main reasons for worsening the situation. In addition, he argued that the U.S.-South Korea joint military exercise is a root cause that worsens the situation on the Korean peninsula and peace and stability in the region as well. Then, Kim continued his remarks with criticism toward Japan as well. He said uh, Japan is trying to transform itself into ready-for-war state, citing Japan's long-range strikes, attempts to acquire missile interception capabilities, and discussions on sharing nuclear weapons with the U.S. South Korea immediately took over the microphone and refuted North Korea's remarks and criticized the North, saying that everyone here knows which country started the Korean War and which one continues hostile activities. And as you know, North Korea has launched 40 missiles this year alone. And a representative of South Korea threat, South Korea, strongly urges North Korea to end all illegal nuclear activities that violate UN Security Council resolutions and abandon all nuclear weapons and existing nuclear programs in a complete, verifiable and irreversible manner. Japan also used its right to refute North Korea's claims, saying Japan is sticking to its defense-oriented policy, not becoming a military power that might pose a threat to other countries. At the first committee meeting of the UN General Assembly, which began earlier this month, like you said as Jay, the war of words between South Korea, Japan and North Korea is intensifying day by day. It's quite different from the past few years because until last year, it was easy to witness the tensions between North Korea and Japan or North Korea and the European uh, Union's countries, but not with South Korea. But um, starting from this year, South Korea is act- actively participating in the international condemnation of North Korea. In fact, in line with Seoul's recent stance towards Pyongyang, on October 17th, Kim song hoon a South Korean delegate to the United Nations, condemned North Korean representative, representative Kim in churs remarks, drawing attention by list- listing North Korea's failure to comply with the commitments and pledges made with other countries, of course, including South Korea, over the past thirty years.
0: I mean, uh, you know, that's that's as as hard as you can get towards mm-hmm. North Korea, saying, "Listen, uh, you know, I, if I remember correctly, it's you guys who started the Korean War." But it's mm-hmm. also interesting because, according to uh, some of our Uh, North Korean uh, refugees, Uh uh, defectors, what they said was that in North Korea, the way that they teach uh, history is that Uh the United States... The U.S. started the war. (laughs) The U.S. invaded invaded North Korea, and that's how the Korean War started. Uh It's their fault. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we we haven't seen like this, and we knew that uh, during the un administration that they were going to be a lot more hawkish mm-hmm. uh, towards North Korea related issues. I mean, you, anytime you have a conservative government, you're going to see more of this. Uh, in the meantime, going into domestic politics, the Democratic Party uh, decided to return to a state audit today, uh, just a day after we announced to suspend the audit in opposition to the prosecution's attempt uh, to arrest to arrest warrant to one of the uh, the party members there. Now the decision was made after having discussions at an emergency party member meeting held this morning, but this was suspended again uh, just 30 minutes uh, into the uh, the resumption here. J- J- let's get the details of this.
1: Right. So the main opposition Democratic Party strongly protested prosecution investigations that led to arrest warrant requests for former top officials of the previous Moon Jae-in government. Now, the uh, Democratic Party said it would boycott the ongoing parliamentary audits into government offices over the raid attempt, arguing that the probes are politically motivated. And the floor spokesperson for the Democratic Party had said in a written briefing yesterday that the DP will entirely suspend state audits to protect democracy. Uh, the spokesperson Oh Young-hwan added that the prosecution has sent a search and seizure uh, to the main opposition party, and that this was and that this was unprecedented. But a day after they declared suspending all state audits, it decided to return to the audits today. Uh, However, the members of the judiciary decided to discuss separately whether to participate in the state audit of the Legislation and Judiciary Committee, uh, which targets the Supreme Prosecutor's Office. And prosecutors had, in fact, swooped down on the DP headquarters on Wednesday as part of an investigation into Kim Yong, who is one of uh, the party chairman's, Lee Jae-myung's closest aides on bribery charges. The, Demo- the Democratic Party had then confronted the prosecution, ordering members of the party to suspend the state audit completely. And after the parliamentary assembly uh, floor, spokesperson Isu jin told reporters that the Democratic Party did not listen to the people's calls for a complete state reform and said that it would fight to the end. And Lee added the Judiciary Committee ahead of the Supreme Prosecutor's Office decided to discuss how to proceed with the Standing Committee. And uh, Lee went on to say the state audit is about the opposition party, which protects people's livelihood, uh, playing an important role in checking the government and doing its job prop- properly. And in addition, if the prosecution's invasion of the Democratic Party happens again, like yesterday, uh, Lee said that the leadership will discuss. Uh, close and closely monitor it and fulfill its role. And when it was asked uh, whether the state audit could be suspended when the arrest warrant is resumed, the spokesperson said the matter will be discussed with other lawmakers and the party will respond to suit the situation. And like you said, uh, the chair of the Legislation and Judiciary Committee, Kim Doop, had in fact declared the start of the state audit around 3 p.m. today, but as uh, the Democratic Party committee members backlashed fiercely arguing that a unilateral resumption was unacceptable uh, the audit was once again suspended just within 30 minutes after it began
0: I don't remember the last time there was so much rift uh, between the two political parties I mean we've been seeing this for uh, a couple of years now but uh, I mean there's there's going to be a lot of clashing here uh, but in the meantime the Democratic Party has passed a revision to the grain management act on Wednesday uh, but the uh, uh, ruling PPP and the main opposition DP, they are again clashing over the revision here. Saeong, tell us more about this.
2: A revision to the Grain Management Act passed the National Assembly's um, Agriculture, Food, Rural Affairs, Oceans and Fisheries Committee on Wednesday. Uh, the Amendment to Grain Management Act mandates the government to purchase rice from the farmers when uh, rice production surpasses 3% of estimated consumption or when the price of rice falls more than 5% from the average. Under the current law, the government is not obliged to purchase the rice regardless of the amount of production or the price of the rice is just optional and the bill was forced through a committee by democratic party as dp which has a majority of seats in the national assembly 169 seats in the 300 member national assembly voted independently without ppp's participation uh, at the plenary session held on wednesday as the review of the bill was delayed and PPP continued to refuse to participate in the meeting and discuss the uh, revision on Grain Management Act. In response, the ruling People Power Party strongly criticized Wednesday's decision, calling it a political maneuver to win the farmers' support. And they also called the amendment a populist policy that ruins the rice industry in general. And they also said it's a move to distract attention from accusations against DP leader Lee Jemeyong. However, it still remains to be seen uh, whether the revision will be um, completely passed by the Legislation and Judiciary Committee as well, Uh, the final gateway to the standing Committee, because the PPP holds the post.
0: Yeah, uh, because the DP uh, holds majority seats at the National Mm -hmm. Assembly when they're trying to pass bills or anything like that, if there's any voting, uh, no matter what happens, the DP is going to be able to pass it. So usually what you see Mm -hmm. is the PPP kind of boycotting it. They don't, you know, take part in it. And of course it gets passed. But in this case, it's a little bit different because, you know, it needs to be passed by the legislation and the Judiciary Committee uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, Let's go over to the United States this time because as part of his efforts to fix the problem, high gasoline prices, um, I don't know how the prices are like in the United States at this time, but uh, here in South Korea, it's kind of, it's, it's still high. Uh, let's just put it at that. Uh, <laughs> President Joe Biden announcing to release 15 million barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Reserve's uh, this in consideration of additional withdrawals uh, this winter. G, you have more on this.
1: Right. So President Biden announced Wednesday that he authorizes releasing 15 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And the withdrawal will complete the plan announced earlier this year to release a total of 180 million barrels. Now, the 15 million barrels will be released sometime in December and should help keep gas prices at bay. Uh, The prices are not falling fast enough, and Biden has been pushing to solve the issue through uh, extraordinary efforts. With over half of the strategic petroleum reserves still available, which is over 400 million barrels, the White House will prepare for future releases uh, should the need arise in the coming months. And the upcoming oil reserve release aims to ensure enough oil on the market uh, so that the gasoline prices don't spike up again, no matter what actions Russia and other international players take. And Biden on the same day, again criticized oil companies, which his administration has accused of profiting from the worldwide energy supply crunch, by keeping uh, pumping prices higher than they should, saying that they're keeping the pump prices higher than they should be. And the president added that his message to the American energy companies is that uh, they should not be using their profits to buy back stock or for dividends, Uh, not now, not while a war is raging. And also during Wednesday's news conference, Biden called for an increase in U.S. clean energy production as the administration took office promising to reduce the country's reliance on fossil fuels and replace them with more renewable sources. Uh, President Biden's move comes as gas station gasoline prices, which is a key indicator of perceived inflation, shows signs of rising again ahead of the November midterm elections. And when he was asked if the move was for election purposes, uh, President Biden answered by saying it's not politically motivated and emphasized his administration's efforts to respond to rising oil prices by saying that the move is to continue what he has been doing so far from the beginning
0: yeah you know what it's tough also because we've been talking about the opec plus right Mm That they're just refusing to pump uh you know they're cutting back on production of crude oil and things like that and uh, to be honest with you, if you ask me, it just seems like, you know, OPEC plus countries uh, and these uh, gas companies, the oil companies, what they're trying to do is uh, they feel like they've missed out on a lot of profits, although they've still made a lot of profits mm-hmm. during the, the height of the pandemic. You remember gas prices were like at record lows, right? Because mm-hmm. there was just no air travel. There was no traveling mm-hmm. going on. And so it just seems like they're trying to make up for their quote unquote losses, even though mm-hmm. i I highly doubt there were any kind of yeah. losses because they were making profit nevertheless, mm-hmm. uh, and so despite the fact that there's been uh, numerous countries, uh, especially the, you know the United States with Joe Biden saying you know telling the OPEC Plus, listen, you guys need to pump more get, uh, oil. We need the oil right now, and right now with the war in Ukraine and the Russia situation, now is not the time to you know think about your uh, own stance right now. Mm-hmm. We need the oil right now, but they said no, nah, you know we, we can't make any productions mm-hmm. right now. You know what? Some of our uh, member countries were just. Not able to meet our quota, so what's the point of uh, you know raising up uh, the the, you know, the pumping numbers or whatever? Uh, so yeah, we're we're probably going to see high uh, oil prices and also uh, the other worries, of course, uh, natural gas, right? Mm-hmm. That during the winter time, especially when we need a lot of heating there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, let's talk about exchange rate uh, along with the dollar yen. Uh, this used to be uh, perceived as a uh, safe asset, but uh, the value is falling day after day. Uh, the yen dollar. Uh, Exchange rate has surpassed uh, 150 yen per dollar. This is the highest in 32 years. Hey, let's get the details of this.
2: Yen crossed the psychological barrier of 150 uh, yen on Thursday. And unlike central banks of other countries, Japan is insisting on monetary easing policies to tame soaring prices caused by the aftermath of COVID-19. And as a result, the yen's value has fallen for 11 consecutive trading days, breaking its lowest level in 32 years for 6 consecutive trading days. Indeed, with U.S. soaring interest rates, all major Asian economies, including South Korea, China and Japan, plunged on Thursday. The Chinese yuan on Wednesday also dropped to a 14-year low against the U.S. dollar, which is at a record high right now. And the one dollar exchange rate also rose about seven from the previous day, rising to the fourteen thirty one level again. And experts say the gloomy economic situation in these three countries raises concerns over another Asian financial crisis um, that happened back in nineteen ninety seven to come in the near future, which sounds really scary.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting is I used to look at the uh, the yen quite a bit, not mm-hmm. because I used to do like currency exchanges, mm-hmm. but uh, like back before I I, I got married. I used to buy a lot of uh, baseball gloves uh, that were customized from Japan because Japan Uh makes really good baseball gloves, Uh right? And so when the yen dips is a good time to buy baseball (laughs) gloves, right? And so the last time it was, it was actually right before I got married in 2016. Mm. I was looking at the graph Uh when it was like uh, yen was something around like, oh my goodness, it was like, 900 below something like 900, uh, 901 to yen, I think, or something like that. Mm. But, anyways, it's hitting that level right now, mm-hmm. it's it's going that low. Uh, but at the same time, what a lot of Koreans are doing right now is mm-hmm. because you know, there's traveling visa free right. traveling. Oh, in tra- yeah. They're buying a lot of yen, uh-huh. uh, hoping that it bounces up later on, and they're planning <laughs> their future Japan travels. But look, the, the problem is right now, yen is dropping, the yen is dropping, mm-hmm. uh, the Korean won is, is dropping. dropping, everything is dropping right now, the British mm-hmm. sterling, the euro, and this is because, again, the U.S. Fed is going to continue uh, to increase their interest rate. and, and you know, and right We're now,
2: expecting another rate hike.
0: Yeah, We're expecting right. that. I mean, they're mm-hmm. probably not going to stop until they hit like, what is it, 425 4.5% mm-hmm, uh, right. range? was mm-hmm. what it was and then so you know that's what's going to happen so uh yeah we're going to take a look at the uh, the currency exchange rate quite carefully and uh, it is highly expected that is you know our currency is going to dip down further what the government is going to do and intervene on that front we'll also have to see as well but for the time being guys thank you as always for your reports please stay safe and we'll see you guys again
2: thank see you again. Again.